Thank you for joining us for Light on the Path, an ongoing conversation designed to encourage you from the Word of God as you walk with Him. Please take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd also love to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship at Eastside Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. Be sure to see the show notes for more information and connect with us online at eastsidethomasville.org. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Good morning, everyone. This is Sean Jacobs, pastor at Eastside Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. We are the host today of Light on the Path, a podcast that myself and Pastor Bill Warren are producing at our church to just encourage you and just lead you through a section of Scripture and allow the Lord to speak to you this morning to get your week started off in a good way. Hosting with me today is Pastor Bill Warren. I'm glad to be here today. Looking forward to our conversation uh, in the book of Genesis as we lead into the week, just starting our uh, our week in a in a direction that points us back to our study of the Word of God. Amen. Yeah, we're in, we're in Genesis 37 today, really looking at the life of Joseph. Just an incredible story. And I, I think, to me, what is most incredible about this, I mean, we talk about this a lot, the sovereignty of God and God's authority and his superintendence over uh, really everything in creation, in time, in eternity. I mean, he is the almighty sovereign of the universe. But to me, what really hit me recently was not just his sovereignty and authority and power and control that nothing really happens without his permission, um, as incredible as that sounds, but within that, what we might call in Christianity God's providence. And that to me is almost more miraculous than this because this is God working not just in his sovereign control and authority, but now using bad choices and sin and wickedness and circumstances all to bring in line still his purposes and his plan throughout um, from creation up until what we read in Revelation, the, the eternal abode of each and every child of God in heaven one day. So this story of Joseph is just a tremendous example of that, I think. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 37. And as we chronologically kind of go through the life of Joseph here, many of you know this. You know, one of really, this is one of the most complete accounts of God's providence, I think, recorded in the lifetime of one man. And we see it here in the story of Joseph. So join with us this morning as we trace God's hand through the bad choices, the good choices, the trials, the betrayal, and such great opposition shown by people in this young man's life. We know in Genesis 37, Joseph is 17 years old, and it says that now Israel, and that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. Boy, what a scenario to put your son or your daughter in. Now you've kind of created Joseph, your son, as the teacher's pet, and you have multiple wives in the situation here, so you have multiple families. Just a really odd, <laughs> odd situation with multiple events that could happen here, and he just seems like he just plays right into this, and he sets up Joseph as the favorite 
gives him this coat of many colors. His brethren hate him for it. So much they couldn't even speak peaceably. I mean, they didn't even have nice words to say to him at all. And of course, this is important because we know that these brothers, these are representative today of what we know as the children of Israel, the tribes of Israel. And so this is foundational in God fulfilling his promise that he gave to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15. God here is fulfilling a purpose. And what's amazing to me, Pastor Bill, is we're going to see this purpose weaving in and out of really some crisis situations where you and I, I feel like, we would bring this up as something to pray about in our Wednesday night fellowship group. Would you, you know, would you really pray that um, God frees Joseph from jail this week? Would you really pray that, I mean, his brothers hate him. Our family is just in a mess. But God uses all of these dire circumstances to continue to fulfill his purpose, and he uses Joseph. He uses Joseph, and I think that's worth noting as we see that through here. I think, too, the... the I, I don't. I don't think many Christians, many Christ followers, would would argue the idea of the sovereignty of God. That's one of those things we celebrate. Honestly, uh, the fact that our God is in control over His creation. I think sometimes when we question that, and the practical application is in the details of life. Right? We we see circumstances yeah. happening in our life that just don't seem fair or right or good. And like you say, we we take those to God and say, Hey, God, remove these from my life. Get these out of my mm-hmm. life. You've missed something here. Bad things are happening in my life, and yet. We see throughout God's story, throughout throughout Scripture, that sovereign God intimately involved in the details of of life, even those uh, consequences of a broken creation he is using for the purpose of his plan. And so uh, I think it's something we can celebrate about God, but if we're not careful, it's something that causes bitterness and anger um, in the life of Christ. Oh, sure. Yeah, and we'll see that later on, that that could have happened several times Mm -hmm. in Joseph's life, and it didn't. Just an incredible spirit about this young man. Hmm. Is We're not going to be able to tell the whole story here. This is going to be a two-part today and, and next week. But um, he continues on. You know, Reuben, uh, we know the story that Joseph goes out into the field, sent there by his father. Um, his brothers see him coming, and they hated him so much, they just wanted to kill him. But Reuben stands up for him. You know, don't hey, don't kill Joseph. Let's just throw him in a pit. So they do that. They throw him in the pit. And while Reuben is gone... Um, some Midian merchantmen come along, and boy, Reuben's trying to be the big brother here and to do the right thing, but he comes back, and his other brothers had already sold Joseph into slavery to these men for 20 pieces of silver. And it says in Genesis 37:28, they brought Joseph into Egypt. And although the story gets worse and worse, God is still working his purpose through hmm. all of this. Uh, It says in verse 36 that these slave traders, these Midianites, sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. You say, well, just bad luck. You know, this is how he got sold into slavery. But he was sold to a specific person. And we'll see why that was important later on. It says Potiphar was a prosperous man. He was, uh, Joseph was in the house of his master Potiphar, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Even in such a dire circumstance, Joseph reacted with um, faith in God. Even the people outside, even the one that was dominating him, that was putting him, taking him from his family, buying him, owning him at this point, his master, that person, saw that God was with Joseph. He could tell it. And it says the Lord made all that Joseph did to prosper in his hand, and Joseph found grace in Potiphar's sight. And he served him, and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put 
into his hand. Joseph rose to the top in a situation that would crush many people. And then it keeps going in Genesis 39. It just gets better. It says, It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and he said unto his master's wife, he, he replies, so here's, here's this lady, she's wealthy. She is the wife of the one who bought Joseph and put him into slavery in his own house, but he could tell that God was with Joseph. He rises, um, he promotes Joseph up to the top of his servants. He gives him, as we find in these later verses here, he gives him total authority over everything in his house. He doesn't even check on him. He just trusts Joseph so much. And Joseph's response to this could be tempting offer. I've never met the woman, obviously, but it would be tempting to some men. He refuses, and he tells her, you know, my master, he doesn't even check on what I do. He has committed everything to my hand. He trusts me. There's no one greater in this house, and the only thing he's kept back from me is you. He says, how can I do this great wickedness, and I think this is key, and sin against God? He never loses his faith in God, and we know he's not perfect. He's a sinner, but Oddly enough, we don't read of any of his temptations, anything that was really tempting or really causing him to sin in any of this. And uh, I, I think that's key, really, in our walk with God. There's going to be circumstances. We're not all going to react rightly to them. But God's not always trying to barrel down and say, oh, you didn't do that right. You didn't do this right. Overall, in Joseph's life, we know the Lord was with them, and you could see that in his life. And I think we see through the narrative of the story, we see this time and time again, the Lord is, was with him. So, so Potiphar sees that reality or that truth in the life of Joseph. And that comes out of the heart of Joseph, because I think you pointed out, Pastor, if, if at any point in this process, Joseph takes his eyes off of the hand of God or the, the reality of God working in his life, he becomes inward focused. He becomes self-focused. Focused. I don't think the, uh, the evidence of God being in his life is as clear to Potiphar. Uh, I don't think that, and, and, and as, as, as we progress through Joseph's response to temptation and to trial, uh, always points back to an understanding of God. His answer to Potiphar's wife, he lays out the fact that he's been given authority in the, in the home. And so as he's, as he's making this case, you would think that eventually his decision to move away from the temptation would be based on the fact that Potiphar has been good to him. But ultimately it plays out the, 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 the reason he walks away from the sin is because of his understanding of God. And so I think just as, as individual Christ followers, being aware of the hand of God um, on a daily basis changes our whole outlook on life. It changes the way the world sees our God through what, what's going on in our life. So. Oh, you're right. You're right. Great point. Well, so here, here he is in, um, he's risen to the top, going through crisis after crisis in his life. And the guy makes the right decision. I mean, he makes a stellar decision that we all stand back as like, wow, good job. We would think, hey, maybe, maybe victory is on the other side of this. Maybe God's going to turn this whole thing around for him. I mean, he's making the right choices, but it doesn't work that way. He continues on because of this good choice where you and I would think, oh, something good's going to come out of this. Well, no, actually the opposite. Joseph does the right thing, and this woman turns it against him. As he's running, we find out, she grabs his coat, and she keeps it. He, he flees the scene and gets out of that situation, that bad situation. She grabs his coat, and when the master, Potiphar, comes back, she takes it to his husband, and she says, uh, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. 
Well, that's not what happened at all. Mm. It says, And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. He got angry. And there must have been some conflict in there. It's like, this doesn't make sense, but wow, I can't believe he did this to me. I can't believe he betrayed me like this. And he gets angry, and he puts Joseph in prison. Hmm. Now, Potiphar, this is key here. Potiphar was at the top of the food chain in Egypt. He was captain of the guard, and not everybody was able to put prisoners in the king's prison. But because of his position, he did. He put it in a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and it says, and Joseph was there in the prison, Hmm. but the Lord was with Joseph showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And not only that, Pastor Bill, you, you know this, but as uh, we're getting ready to cut off for today and, and kind of leave you wanting more for part two next week, um, it is important to know that Joseph was put in this prison for a reason. It's bad enough probably to Joseph's mind that he was put in prison, but maybe he didn't realize that actually there was somebody in that prison he was supposed to meet. Hmm that was going to lead to the whole culmination of this story in Genesis 50:20, which we'll read next week, to where Joseph now at that point in his life finds out what God was doing through all of this. God was working in opposition, in wicked, um, wickedness, in, amidst hatred, amidst bad choices of parents, amidst temptations from outside women that would come into his life. I mean, every single situation could have really floored this young man and put him in a situation where you and I would say, well, yeah, I can understand. But he doesn't. He does mm-hmm. the opposite. And the, the writer of Genesis, God shows us that it was attributed to the fact that God was with him. And Joseph committed everything in his life back into God's hands. So next week, we want you to come back next Monday morning as we'll see part number two, and we'll take it up in Genesis chapter 40 of Joseph really coming to grips, not just with with what is happening here, but also later on in life, seeing why it is happening and really presenting us with this stellar testimony of God's providence, the way God takes our circumstances, our trials, our conflicts. And if we will continue to walk with him as imperfectly as that may look, he will use us to fulfill his purposes. And that's really what it's all about. It's not about what we want. It's not about our success. Um, that's what we see and that's what we feel. But there's a greater uh, thing happening. Um, for us in New Testament times, it's the building of God's kingdom. And do we want to be used in that or do we not? That's, that's really up to us. It's not going to change what God is doing. God is building his kingdom. God has a timeline in place. And do we want to be a part of that or not? And I hope you do. I definitely do. And I mess that up all the time. But this has just been a great encouragement to me. So, uh, Pastor Bill, we're going to sign off this morning. Thankful that everybody tuned in today on their way to work or starting off your homeschool day or whatever the case may be. Well, actually, June 5th, I guess there's no homeschool, <laughs> no homeschool now, anymore. right? You're done. <laughs> Even public schools are out right now. And just to remind you, this coming week, uh, we do have just kind of a special weekend plan, Hope for the Journey. We're sponsoring that simulcast. Um, it's a little bit a part of our foster care ministry that Lord allows us has allowed us to start here, a foster care team. But it also is something for us just getting our minds and our hearts into the situations of this broken world. And I, I believe it's going to be a big, big help to us. That's this Friday and Saturday. If you have not registered for this yet, 
please see uh, Jenny or Meg or Pastor Bill or myself, and we'd love to get you hooked up for that. We're also in week number two of our Seeking Him, our summer revival. So if you still haven't got a book and you would like one, let us know, and we can hook you up with that. But every Sunday morning, uh, we'll bring a different topic of revival throughout these 12 weeks, and then we'll discuss it on Wednesday night as well. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week. May God bless you as you live out his word, and maybe, just maybe, God will see or God will allow you to see a little bit of his purpose. But if not, hold on, have faith. God is working. Have a great week.